0: Welcome to this special podcast live from Strange Loop 2022. In this series, we are interviewing the awesome crowd at the conference to learn more about their interests and projects. Today we have with us, Fredrag Grueski. I'm sorry, Reddy, if I not pronounce it correctly. Very sorry about that. Nice to meet you, Fredrag. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So. Can you tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Where are you coming from or like in your career or school? I'm Macedonian. That's where the unusual name comes from. I went to school, I, I went to MIT for undergraduate school, and then I went off to industry to work on interesting and unusual sorts of database and compiler problems, and that's where I am now. Oh, cool. Is this your first strange loop? It's actually my second time. Okay. I got, got a chance to come back last year and I had a great, great time. So here I am again. Oh, cool. So pretty recent ones. All right. Um,
0: or maybe you already had a look at the schedule. Is there a like, talk that caught your interest
1: that you want to suggest to listeners? I'm really excited about one of the closing keynotes about id Software and how all of that came to be. I grew up fascinated with the fast inverse square root that was in, I think, the original Doom game. So I'm very curious to see what kind of company and organization would would come up with these sorts of unusual things and make the awesome games that I grew up playing. Interesting. So you are a software engineer and open source maintainer. And
0: of your open source contributions, I wanted to mention your work with the semantic versioning in Rust. So can you talk a little bit about what
1: is the problem of semantic versioning with Rust? What are we talking about? The idea of semantic versioning is about communicating to downstream users when breaking changes are happening in a library or project. And so it's very important that this information is correct. Otherwise, it can lead to unfortunate situations where people upgrade their dependencies and that leaves their project in a broken state. And this might sound like an easy thing to solve, right? Just don't break the APIs. But sometimes, and especially in Rust, it's possible to unfortunately make a breaking change to an API without really realizing it. One common example involves a Rust construct called auto traits. This is the idea that the compiler for some certain traits will implement them on all types for which it is safe to do so. So these are generally things around thread safety and panic safety. So for example, if a particular struct has nothing that would make it not thread safe, the Rust compiler will automatically make it be thread safe. But if that struct uses some other struct, which uses some other struct, and that struct at the very end flips from being thread-safe to not thread-safe, the compiler will make every struct in this chain be not thread-safe. And this API change will propagate all the way through the API and into downstream consumers. This is the sort of thing that can unfortunately break people's programs, and it's not particularly easy to notice. So this is a problem that, that I observed, and I decided to do something about it. Okay. So is Rust your first language, the first choice language? In which way did I get in with Rust? It's not the first language that that I've programmed with. I've also done a lot of Python and a lot in the .NET ecosystem before. But Rust is the most recent language that I've seriously picked up. Uh And I'm having a blast writing it. It's very ergonomic. It just makes me feel energized when I open a Rust editor and work on a project. So that's that's sort of where I'm right now. I'm really enjoying writing Rust. All right. And so
0: if I understand correctly, another project that you're working on called Trustfall
1: is written in Rust. And what is Trustfall? Fundamentally, I believe that any data source should be able to be queried as if it were a database. So Trustfall is just a way to do this across any data source that you could imagine. You could plug in any piece of data whether it's a database, an API, a file system, a machine learning model into this queryable interface and get something that looks and feels closer to, to SQL or GraphQL out where you can do any sort of operation, connect any different data sets together as if the separation were never there. Any reasons why, so it is
0: the interface, this query language that you're talking about is not exactly GraphQL.
1: Uh, any reasons why it's not, Exactly,
0: GraphQL.
1: That's a great question. When a lot of people hear the word GraphQL, the first thing that comes to mind for me certainly was, oh, like SQL, but for graphs. And that's not quite what GraphQL is. But I think that there is room for essentially exactly that. For a query language where I can put recursive joins, left joins, optional edge traversals, any kind of filtering that I might want, in and execute a a query with that. This is something that I could do with SQL. This is not something that GraphQL allows me to do right now. But also when building a new query language for people to use, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel, just rebuild everything by myself. It's quite a lot of work to build editor integrations and autocomplete and language servers and syntax highlighting and type checkers and all of this stuff. And GraphQL is a fantastic, platform on top of which new languages can be built because you get to reuse a lot of this stuff. Uh, You get the syntax highlighting for free, the autocomplete, the type checking, the schema language. You get a language that people are already familiar with. And all of this decreases the cognitive overhead of learning the new TrustFall language and its semantics and how it behaves over these different datasets. I suppose there is a challenge there in
0: terms of if you are going to interface to all these Different data sources. Are you going to create different drivers for each one of them? And what if that particular data source is a moving target? Do you have to
1: catch up with those changes? Is, how do you're going to deal with that? Is there anything can do? Trustful is actually designed exactly for situations where the thing that you're targeting is a moving target. And I can give you a specific example with the Rust semantic versioning checker, Cargo Semver Checks, which I built. The Semver checking process itself is just like a query or a set of queries. An example would be functions that I could have called in the previous version of a library that I can't call in the current version. This would be a breaking change. My code would stop compiling. If I could execute this query over the combination of the new version and the old version and find anything that this query finds, all of those are breaking changes and I probably should not have done that without releasing a new major version. Mm the format that the Rust compiler can give you this information about which functions are available, which types are available, and so on, is not stable. In fact, over the last couple of months, I think it's changed, if I'm not wrong, seven times. And if every time the format changes, you have to rework all of these queries, all of these checks for semver violations, you're gonna be doing a lot of work to keep up with this moving target, and that's just not going to be very feasible. In those last couple of months, that this format has changed seven times because of Trustfall, we haven't had to change a single one of those queries. So, this is the, the magic and the power of Trustfall. The idea is to separate the semantics of the domain what are we trying to query, functions that I could call previously but now I can't, from the underlying data representation. How is the JSON that the compiler outputs actually structured? So the idea is that TrustFall can absorb these changes and isolate the queries from them. So when the format changes, we update these drivers, these adapters, they're called in TrustFall, but the update of the adapter does not mean that the queries have to change because Rust yesterday, today, and probably next month will still have functions, types, structs, fields, and so on. It's just the details of how that data is expressed that will have changed.
0: How's the challenge of writing a compiler in Rust and in general, a compiler? Like I suppose your language, you design the language and you're passionate. What are the stages involved in that and
1: how Rust is up in with it? Rust honestly has been a breeze. It's been a dream for this sort of thing. The Trustfall project is inspired from a prior project that I used to work on, unfortunately named GraphQL compiler that similarly had non-GraphQL-ish semantics. And it was implemented in Python and Python is a great language for many things, but compiler development is not really one of them. In particular, the ability to do exhaustive pattern matching in Rust is a godsend for writing compilers. And in Python, in comparison, we had to do a lot of else raise assertion error, this should be unreachable types of checking, which that code is almost never hit, but it's there and it adds cognitive load when you're reading it. And you also have to write it and maintain it over time. The process of writing a compiler sounds really intimidating in the beginning. In my opinion, it's not that bad. And there's a great book that I can recommend on this topic called Crafting Interpreters that I've also been going through over the last few months. The book is written to be very approachable to folks with no prior experience in compilers, interpreters, anything like that. And yet it walks you through how you'd implement a new programming language with all of the stages from parsing this random syntax in a strange file format that you've maybe never, never seen before, all the way to getting, not just a working programming language interpreter, but actually a fairly efficient one. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Do you need to create a grammar for the language or like an MAD RAS has tools
1: to generate a necessary compiler or is something that you do custom in this case? For Trustfall, I Because I used the GraphQL syntax, I didn't need to create a new grammar. I didn't need to create a custom parser or anything like that. I got a chance to reuse the fantastic tools that are available in the ecosystem that come not just with all of the features that I could have wanted, but also very good error messages for the invariable cases where someone missed a curly brace or, you know, wrote something that, that the parser didn't really like. And that's been a humongous help. I would not have been able to build Trustfall otherwise. All right, that's it. Cool. Is this like a solo project or is this some, somebody helping you already Well, how does it work? This is a project that a few of my friends have also gotten involved with. So we recently built a query playground where people can just visit a website and write some trustful queries against public API sources like Hacker News. That was a collaborative project. I'm not much of a front-end engineer. So I got a couple of my friends who understand React and things like that to build this collaborative editor based on Monaco, the same plugin that you'd use for VS code, essentially the same component. And it's awesome because Rust is very easily compiled into WebAssembly. So when you load this query playground at play.predrogs, like my name, you can just run these queries directly in the browser. So it's your browser talking to the Hacker News API directly. There's no backend. So when you write a query, that query is compiled and executed directly in your browser. So it doesn't get more serverless than this. There's literally no server in the loop. Cool. Yeah, I'll make
0: sure that this and all the other things we talked about, that there will be links in the show notes so you can follow up. What is, if I can ask the future, do you think what's going to happen in the
1: future for Trustfall, what are the plans there? So the Cargo Semver Checks tool, which uses Trustfall, is planned to be merged into Cargo, the Rust package manager. And I've already started working with some of the cargo maintainers. They've been a great help. I want to thank them for all of the work that they've done to make this possible. I'm really hoping to keep working on Trustful in the long term. I think that there are a lot of data sets that would be much easier to use if we could just query them freely and interconnect them with every other data set that we have access to. I think semantic versioning is really just scratching the surface in terms of what information we have available. Not even mentioning everything that's already in a database and already queryable, but just all sorts of things that are just a random API that someone put very helpfully on, on the internet and is just not really particularly easy to mix and match and combine with other things. Very cool. Is there anything that we didn't touch the one maybe to add? Recently, I started a blog on how do how compiler optimizations work and also touching on some of the work that I've been doing lately around Trustfall. So. If folks are interested in how compiler optimizations work or why semver checking is tricky and how it all works, I would recommend checking out my blog. And I would really love to get what people to get what people think. I'm hoping to become a better writer by writing more, so feedback is very useful to me. Absolutely, that and after that, the book comes, and you have to
0: write a book about trustful or the, the, your favorite subject. Very good, very good. So I think we are more or less at the end of. This the questions that I had. So is there like a way that people can get in touch? What is the best way to get in touch with you, ask your questions?
1: Probably Twitter. My Twitter is PredraGrevsky, like my first and last name. And I'm sure we can put a link in the show notes. We'll definitely do, definitely
0: do. All right. So thanks very much for your time. And I always enjoy learning something new Mm -hmm. in this case. And yeah, enjoy the rest of the conference.
1: Thank you, you too. And thanks again for having me. This was a blast.
0: My pleasure.